0: What up, world? Your boy, the Porter Compoter House, the Mike for Hire, the podcast, mercy Himself, Christian Joe Ramos, back at again with a brand new review, and today we're going to continue reviewing the Apple Plus TV original series based off the show IP of Godzilla Monarch: Legacy of Monsters. We are now episode God, man, got to lose track. Is it? Uh, I believe it's seven. Yes, episode seven and eight, right? Is that where I'm at? Let me just. Yep, seven and eight of season one of Monarch. Legacy Monsters, episode seven titled "Will the Real May Please Stand Up?" So let me just read a little synopsis here. Uh, It is written, I mean, directed by Hirobi Kabata, written by Mariko Tamaki. Came out December 2nd, 2022. In 2015, May is kidnapped at the airport in Tindouf, Algeria, by her former employer, Applied Experimental Technologies, A.K.A. A.E.T. Who gives her the choice of spying on Monarch for being pro- or being prosecuted for uh, stealing data from her job? Uh, Kate accosts him, who just shows up at the airport, disheveled, covered in dirt, because he just survived that giant Godzilla emergence. And he goes to the airport just to get some drink of water, and he's already getting badgered by these kids. <laughs> uh, so May, they take May, Kentaro, and 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 Kate. To the algerian sahara with oh, i'm sorry the, the, the previous episode they did right so they come this so is the fallout of that and uh tim gets accosted by kate as he arrives at the airport and asks her him to help them find may who was just pretty much kidnapped in my notes here i definitely have that uh that may's in the bathroom hyperventilating about Getting extracted, she's also expecting to get abducted from her former job in a little high key vocabulary today. And she's like, All right, I've never been kidnapped. How do we do this? And she they left her bag, her passport, her wallet, everything in the ladies' bathroom. And Kate's like, mm, she's been there far too long over an hour. So Kate goes in. Kentaro doesn't think anything of it because he's a dude, he's also like, tired as shit. So he's probably like, Ah, girls take forever for various reasons never know i'm not going to question it but kate's like no even for a girl this is a long time to be in the bathroom like she's not really doing her face with makeup she's not really uh having any cramps Just, she's got to be either sick or something let me see if i can go in there and help her out and she goes missing but her shit's there so obviously kate's like red flag we definitely lost may and kate goes in the women's bathroom for may finds her purse with a passport she knows May wouldn't just leave her important documents around and, come on, personal floor, it's a given. She was take, taken by somebody. So, Kentaro is too thick-headed at the point that he can't put two and two together. Or, again, I i, I excuse me he's tired, but come on, it's not, it's not that. So, May is flying on a private jet back with AET to her former job so they could pretty much interrogate her. You get a flashback to the recruitment interview with May. Mays being recruited by AT in a dinner and they had like a two hour dinner with like two bottles of wine or just having a, a session there. And it's a vibe and it's like, you know, you just, like, it's not your typical interview. At least not for me. I've never had an interview when I was wine and dine. Usually I was just talked into it and go in the interview process. This was pretty much a full on evening dinner and everything. and just like at a fancy ass restaurant. And of course the May is so was an IT background. They are all tech companies who like having their their engineers so to school them. Uh, so as all this is happening, uh, May's family's in Tacoma, Washington, and they go fly back there to see if they can get information on May's whereabouts. And mind you, she hasn't been home in like two years, so their family doesn't even know where she's been. But at least, can give her lead of places she could be located at if she ever were to go certain places. And they learn about her past from sister Lyra, who's very sketched out by them. And they trigger a false Titan alarm once they get into uh, her job. But not until they actually well, I'm kind of jumping steps here because this synopsis really is cutting back on all the information. So let's see what I got here. Uh, so. We have Tim survive the incident. He's getting questioned by uh, I call them Team Randa, which is K Kentaro, and soon to be May. Tim didn't abduct May. He he's just trying to get back to work. And uh, this is a whole new entity, which is obviously AET, the new the new the new villain, I guess you can say, or new uh, added a uh, layer of of team here. Uh, Tim calls Monarch for assistance, and the Randas join him. They pretty much follow him because they all want the same goal—to find May. Fairbanks, Alaska, Monarch Outpost 88. Inside, the seismologist, Dr. Barnes, is finding out some weird new radiation. She's like, "This seems like a lot similar uh, readings to G-day," and it's fascinated by it. It Heads to the restroom because she's got to pee. It's cold in the office. As she's doing this, Colonel Lee Shaw. Storms in with his new team, take over the outpost and base, and gives the people inside the option: do you want to join us, or you can leave. But I'm, don't worry, no one's here to be kidnapped. We don't—we're not here to do anything stupid. We just want to use this base for our operations. So, if you want to get out and go home, be be our guests. And as this is going, Barnes returns to the bathroom with her headset on. Doesn't see what's happening, and then she looks at the window, luckily, and notices, "Oh shit, we're being invaded!" So she cunningly sneaks out. But Duval kind of hears something or feels something and goes out after so she ends up leaving outside in the cold winter air of Alaska and calls HQ and the deputy Verdugo's uh, Verdugo's there and tells her what's happening and demands to speak with the deputy. But she's running outside to escape, right? So back in Algeria, as this is all happening uh at the Algerian airport, Tim tells the kids about their. Fathers Hiroshi uh, from a personal experience, and how he was growing up, and what kind of personality he was when he was in the room, when he actually had to speak. He's a very smart, intelligent guy. He was very soft-spoken, and again, he just very nerdy guy, just engineerish. nothing too out of the ordinary. But it gives the kid a sense of like, oh, that's how dad was always, I guess, right? So Tim tells the Randos that she's using a fake passport. Her actual name isn't May, it's Cora. And you get a flashback to Cora A working at AAT, and she's having a bit of a fit because her code has been developed uh, that she has been developing for her job isn't hers. Like she lost her right to that code because as she signed a contract to their job, whatever she code you create at her job, it's their property. And she's like, what are you using this code for? And the boss is like, you don't have to, You don't need to know this is classified, but I need to know what I'm working on. And her boss is like, you'll get there eventually, but you just started here six months ago. You're not yet at the point where you need to know, you know, you're on a need to know basis. Like you're just here to do your job, you're doing well, and eventually you'll get there. But she's like, well, I make, uh, you guys pay me a lot of money for me not to know a lot of stuff. She's like, what do I have to do to get to the area of time? You know, get to the point where you guys can share stuff. And then. Her boss is like, you are very much entitled. Like you got a lawyer role, you can earn your spot. You Just have to do the time. It's like, I don't know what else to say. She's like, you might be getting paid a lot of money, but at the point where you would know more, you're gonna be in a different tax bracket altogether. So you'll get there eventually, just keep doing what you're doing. And she's very stubborn and very much curious because of course one wants to know what they're doing with technology that she's developing and Back again, the modern day, 2015. Uh, Barnes is in a gas station, explaining what's happening. She found the nearby gas station. in Alaska Outpost 88 is offline. They're not using anything important, extravagant. There's nothing there for Colonel Lee to even try to like take over. It's not like a working satellite base. It's actually just a. It's just there for the, I guess, earthquake readings and for simple shit like that. There's nothing there like, files or anything he needs that would suggest he take over an entire base. And, um, then, Deputy Redugo's like, oh, shit, we have explosives there. And that's all he wants. Lee just wants all the explosives in the barracks. So, back in Tacoma, Washington, Doranda's pose as friends of Cora, and they all read, they're all part of some online manga group, and her sister doesn't believe shit, and this is where they follow her sister to a garage, and, uh, and she she almost whacks the shit out of Kate with a with a, with a tire iron. Like, who are you guys and why are you following me? um And then they confess, hey, we are friends of Cora but we're not from the manga club. We actually just know she's in danger and we need your help where she could be so we could find her. So this is where they get real. And her sister was like, obviously, you know, hyperventilating after this experience. Hasn't seen her sister, heard from her. She heard from her once in the last two years. And that was like really recent, but... She's never made contact except, again, just recently. So Cora had to disappear and leaves her car to her sister. This is two days two days ago. Cora called her sister that she made some kind of deal so she could come back home safely. Cora saw the animal experiments in her job that her code was doing. They were making mind-control devices for animals. And if you put one and one together, it's like she just felt like it was not ethical. We're experimenting on animals or whatever, and she that's what she steals, I guess you can say, footage or data, and that's why she went on the run to Japan to begin with. So Tim issues the Monarch Emergency Broadcast Signal for Titans to distract. Uh, Pretty much, it's in case of a Titan uh, emergence, everyone can go to shelters and bunkers and be safe. And all the chaos starts to commotion. Mind you, this is still in beta. They haven't even launched this app, almost like the Amber Alert, and everyone freaks out, of course. So... There's a cybernetic neural interface that was to be helped develop to help people walk. That's what she was told when she was hired. But it's not for that only. They secretly, ADC secretly are trying to control Godzilla and any other titans uh, with this technology. Because they know they can't kill them with the modern day weaponry. But if they can control them, they can get one on their side. They have a weapon in case of emergencies if things go awry. If we get invaded again by another titan. That's what their whole project's about. So Tim and Team Miranda catch up with May. She tells them she's okay. She's stuck to deal with her old boss, and she's she's clear and free to be roaming wherever Cora tells Kate to stop calling her May and blows her off and Kintaro as well. And they all just leave outside. Tim convinces Natalie Verdugo to. Give the statement for Monarch because of they obviously have this app they just launched out of nowhere. And she's better with words than he is, and she can give a nice proper like uh speech on the news and stuff. So the team are now reunited. Uh May um, she says she's sorry and she blew up on them and she really wants to join them. She's free to go wherever she goes now. Um and like you sure? And yeah, so the team is back together again. So the director at AET works for Mr. Simmons at Apex Cybernetics. I don't know if you have any idea what Apex Cybernetics is. It's where they made Robo Godzilla. <laughs> so back at the Gamma Point, Lee's team is closing up a wormhole. With all the weaponry and explosives they got from the base in Alaska. It doesn't go as planned as they try to kill that Titan. The one that freezes everything. And um, But they took care of uh, the Ice Titan at least. But it doesn't really help close the portal. If anything, it almost like activated it <laughs> in a sense. And that was episode seven. All right. And then now episode eight, titled Birthright, director of oh, Hiromi Kamada. This episode is, we're closing into the last two. And I'm excited. Uh, so uh, in 2015, Sean Duval. Return to the Kazakh power plant where Keiko was killed in 1959. It's now enclosed as a containment facility. Kate Kantaro May. Tim inferred that Shaw is trying to rectify the past. Verdugo sends them after Shaw with a small team inside. And Shaw and Duvall confront the team. But they would only speak with Kate because they trust her alone. And Shaw explains that he intends to help Godzilla maintain order by separating the Hollow Earth from the surface world. As Shaw primes explosive charges around the rift of the Hollow Earth inside the pit, an adult Endor Swarmer emerges. May, Kate, and Shaw, and Endor Swarmers fall into the pit shortly after its destruction. So things go crazy, but it is it happens so quick. And in 1955, Monarch's new head, Lieutenant Commander Hatch, questions Shaw, Keiko, and Bill's evidence of the Titan's existence. They're still in the denial phase. You don't have any footage or evidence. Bill assaults Hatch while defending Keiko from a racist remark because they said she's a defective Imperial spy of some sort because she used to, because she was a Japanese, you know, uh, citizen and whatnot. And of course, it's a post. World War II, where things are still, even though we're almost in 1960, there still is some tension there. So, with Monarch's existence under jeopardy, Shaw convinces Keiko and Bill to comply with all the research. Bill realizes the Titans evade detection through the hollow earth while sharing his findings with Keiko. He learns that she is a widow raising Hiroshi alone. Bill offers to adopt Hiroshi. As a last resort, Shaw reveals Godzilla's survival while presenting Keiko and Bill's findings to Puckett. A lot of shit went on in this episode. So, if I even go back to my notes, I put in 2015, Captain Lee and Duval head into the old nuclear power plant where Keiko died. And then we go to Washington, D.C. in 55. So, it's again, we're time jumping here. The commander thinks Lee's team is wasting funds with bad evidence. And he doesn't have as much, I guess, trust or in, in, in a Lee's team like Puckett did. But he's no longer in charge in this case. The commander thinks Lee's team is wasting money. Infiltration... By hostile agents oh man this is there's so much going on here so back it's back and forth from the 50s and 2010s and back in 2015 monarchs team gives Tim a crew of the tour of the of the monarch base almost like a big gear this is monarch this is what your family created it's uh we got a lot of boxes in the hallways and it's just the regular office and Tim thinks the kids have something to help in finding Hiroshi because they know their father better than anybody else. Where the team are all full of scientists, they're not emotionally attached to him, where they can know his landing spots. And that's why he recruited the kids to begin with, because they are the heir parents of this company eventually, but also they would know where their dad is and what places he would hit up, but it'd help them in searching everything they need. And a lot goes back. In 55, Bill Randall and Lee Shaw and the doctor set up their Office in a basement, some ghetto ass, ant infested office here. Tim's pondering where Leland Shaw could be at because he's off doing his own thing, in in modern times. But back then, yeah. Kate finds okay. So this is, again, time jumping as is happening. Right, we are going back in the fifties, and so we're back in twenty tens again. Kate finds the death certificate of, of her grandmother, Doctor Capamira Aranda, with the funds of the of what you know pretty much the uh, death certificate and all that stuff and they find out the truth about her family. Uh, again, back in the 50s, Bill returns to the office. So back and forth between this same office in the 50s and 2010s. So from 55 and 2015. So like, it's like they're having back and forth and just like getting the the notes that they're writing is, the stuff that the kids, the grandkids are actually reading and catching up with their family, and kind of getting to know what's going on. So, um she she uh, Keiko corrects Bill's date, and they draw a map. And Keiko just gets distracted with Anson Bill's desk, It actually helps inspire them because that's where they also are. Well, um, they're flirting. Number one, right? They're all getting acquainted as coworkers, but there's a spark there. Same kind of spark she had with Leland before he got busy and high and mighty in his job position got sent to a out of the office and not near her. Uh, so things are getting almost love triangle in a way because she did have some feelings for Leland, but after. Bill just stepped up to the plate, you know, he's like, he said, he's not the father that stepped up, he, he's the father, you know, that whole meme with the, the dad stepped up thing, and yeah, it's essentially uh, the case where you have Leland being Hiroshi's adopted father, and it's helped us with, again, migration, as well as bringing a green card, it took forever for her to get here, Hiroshi was with her mom back in Japan, and she finally got her son sent over, so she went through a lot, and this is back in the fifties, between racism, um, political ties—I guess you can say or country lines drawn, and and uh, and also being a woman in the field, and being a single mom a widow, it's a lot to deal with. Like this is way before like women's equal rights, women's voting rights. It's like we're talking like peak machismo, uh, and she has to like hide a part of her life to be respected, even with so many levels of um, obstacle between being a different race, being from a country that's hostile, allegedly feels worse not that hostile not that long ago. Like, there's a lot going on here. It's a lot more of that you're building the lore of the families of the randos. And and I'm liking that the whole episode was more emotionally driven and not so much about, like, the action of monsters and titan, the kaijus or whatever, but more of, like, the what makes these people and why they're driven, what is their purpose and I dig it. These last two episodes are very much of, okay, now you really fully understand who everyone is. You got to either like or dislike people. Yet eight episodes. We're getting to the point where we know who these people are. And we're almost in the finale. After this, just two more episodes and we're done. And I got to say, this has been one of my favorite shows because it's given me enough time to enjoy and appreciate certain people, right? You just kind of just end up all oh, like this person more, like this person more. And it's great in that sense. But also, you get to understand that uh, there is more than meets the eye. People are layered like an onion. Like, there's more to them than what you think. And, man, with all that's going on here, Project Monarch, and also the family. It's a family business. It's a family-run secret business where they work with the government, but also not really. Um, But, yeah. So, Hiroshi is a kid. Enthusiastic. He likes Bill. What can I say, right? She went to Berkeley School and uh, College here in, uh, in Northern California Northern California, where she can get her visa. Her son, Rosie, was being cared for by her mother while she settled in and got the paperwork done. So thanks to Monarch, she's now able to have no suit alone. Must be nice. And able to migrate her family. And Lee tells Kate, back in modern times, Lee tells Kate all this stuff. So we're seeing this discussion, right? This flashback. But it's really just Lee describing all that he knows about their family. So thanks to Monarch, she's now able to be... to feed for her family, take care of her lineage. So Lee tells Kate that he's there to help Dilla because he wants to make sure that Godzilla can fight these monsters and keep them out from our world. So Lee goes over Lieutenant Hatch and tells his old boss about Godzilla being alive. And... This is where Puck is like, you gotta be kidding me after all those nukes. And this is Mira's, Mira's, Keiko a uh, fear that if the government finds out that God doesn't survive, they're running a nuke with even stronger weaponry. So, this actually helps in the end because Lee was able to get, uh, I guess, securely, he was able to keep Monarch alive by saying this. And because once it reaches the general and he knows Lee isn't bullshitting, he's like, all right. Well, guess what? Whatever Lieutenant Hatch says, it doesn't even matter at this point. <laughs> because I want to make sure Monarch exists. And guess what? It's been 50 plus years. Monarch still stands. And it's now Lineage Company, third generations in with the with the grand randa kids of Kentaro and Kate. So, with that being said, both these episodes are marvelous. I'm going to give this a straight up 93% so entertaining. A lot of information, obviously a lot's going on, but it plays out so well on screen or you're not bored of it. And you're, again, you're peeling the layers. You're understanding where their drive comes from and their purpose and what they're doing. Now Lee doesn't look like a madman who's trying to be the in side of the monsters. He doesn't see Godzilla as a threat. He sees Godzilla more as a guardian protecting us from other Titans who can or will be a threat. And he's like, we can't just kill our one guardian because once we kill him who's going to stop the rest of the other ones because we're going to be outmatched. And the wormhole c- could get bigger to the point that swarms of these Titans can come through. And that is a scary thought. So now if you're going to get Monarch and the government on the same side, that's where they're trying to get at. But as always, this has been another review of the episodes of the Monarch Legacy of Monsters. I am Christian Joe Ramos signing off until next time. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll be posting the last two episodes very soon as I will watch them cannot wait and thank y'all as always till next time i'm out take care